As we continue in our series, studying the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, we're actually at sermon number 10. I want to remind you that this is a topical sermon. We're exploring this very broad, very deep, very wide topic of the person and work of the Holy Spirit. I ask you to turn your attention to 2 Peter chapter 1, and our focus will be on verses 16 to 21, but we'll be looking at some other verses as well, so please be prepared for that. Some I'll ask you to turn to, others I won't. Children, here are your questions for this evening. First, who wrote the Bible? Two, the Bible is God's word and is true, so why do so many people not believe it? And three, who helps us to believe and understand the Bible? Peter, I'm sorry, 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 16. This is the word of God. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God, the Father, and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in the dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. There ends a reading of God's word. Let's pray together. The Lord our God, we do thank you so much for your word. And we thank you that we can be in your word throughout the week. And we thank you that we can be in your word together as a congregation when we gather together for worship. Lord, we have heard from you in the reading of your word. And we pray that we would still hear from you through the preaching of your word. So we pray for a special measure of your Holy Spirit. Please help the preacher. Please sanctify the words that come from this pulpit. And please help all of us who will hear. Send your spirit in a special way to give us ears to hear and hearts to receive and the will to appropriately respond to what we'll hear tonight. And we'll come to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. The Holy Spirit has been calling out through the ages, not in an audible voice so much, not like God the Father speaking from heaven about the Son, Not like Jesus walking the earth speaking, but the Holy Spirit has been speaking from the beginning, beckoning the world, you might say, to to hear what God has to say. Beckoning through the word itself. 
is the way that the Holy Spirit primarily speaks. And then, and then very personally, to desperate sinners. Taking the word that is breathed out by God and speaking directly to sinners who need to hear. We'll find out at the end of the message, Lord willing, if we get there, that he also joins our voice when we beckon the Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit beckons the world through the word. Come, dying sinners. Come, dying sinners who need to be reconciled to the creator God. Ever since the fall, that which revealed God's glory in nature and through his creation and through providence wasn't sufficient for sinful man now to see the glory of God. Due to the fall, those things in nature... And because man was cut off from fellowship with God, those things weren't adequate anymore. So in his kindness, God revealed himself and his will to mankind in various ways. But in time, he, in his grace, had those things written down for us. And the things that are written down for us are through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We call it the scriptures, we call it the Bible, we call it the word of God, which is now necessary for us to understand the will of God and the way of salvation. So we might say the primary agent in recording Genesis to Revelation is the person of the Holy Spirit. And further, the primary agent in bringing such truth to bear on souls is also the person of the Holy Spirit. You understand that the Holy Spirit does not, by nature, draw attention to himself. The call is this, the call beckoning sinners is, there is salvation, there's redemption for sinners, and here's how to be reconciled, here's how it works, and it works through the Savior, Jesus Christ. And so, even from the very beginning, start with Genesis, the one who will come to crush the serpent's head, is Jesus, the Holy Spirit in the very beginning, pointing us to the Savior. And then at the very end, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, the one who looks as though the la a Lamb who was slain, pointing again to Jesus Christ. All throughout Scripture, pointing again and again, sinners see Jesus. Redemption is here in Jesus. But let's step back just for a moment in the production, you might say, of the word children's catechism i'm giving away the answer to one of our questions tonight who wrote the bible the very simple answer is holy men who are taught by the holy spirit holy men who are taught by the holy spirit jesus affirms this very truth when he's in the temple he quotes psalm 110 but he does it this way how do the scribes say Christ is the son of David? David himself in the Holy Spirit declared the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. Jesus is saying it was the Holy Spirit speaking through David in the psalm. That's consistent throughout scripture. We read in our, in our passage, our launch passage, if you will, that no prophecy comes by man's interpretation, but is the Holy Spirit, the prophet spoke by the inspiration, the breathing in of God's breath into the prophets who spoke the word of God. 
Well, that word, that word needs to be declared. And it's through the church that the word of God is declared. It's through the company of faithful preachers. It's through anyone who's willing to preach the word. Paul, when he is seeking support for missionary work, says, How will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? How are they to hear without someone preaching? The word has to go out. But I'm confident that Paul would understand, I know he understood, that it would only work with the illuminating power of the Holy Spirit. We might say with Paul, how will they hear if there's not a preacher? How will they hear if the word doesn't go out? We might also say, how will it work without the illuminating power of the Holy Spirit? Paul knew that he could preach until he was blue in the face. He could preach with pure logic, with eloquence, with persuasion. He could brilliantly connect all the Old Testament dots that would draw the perfect picture of Jesus Christ. But he knew, without the work of the Holy Spirit, that that preaching would not take effect in someone's heart. He saw it work. He saw plenty of times when it didn't work, but he saw it work. 1 Corinthians 2, 4-5 My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. 1 Thessalonians 1.5, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit, in which much assurance, with much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit. Every true preacher understands that. Every true preacher that preaches from a pulpit understands that we can preach and preach, but without the work of the Holy Spirit, it will not take effect. That's why we pray, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, help us. Help the preacher. Jamie, you don't preach without trusting in the Holy Spirit to work, do you? We trust the Holy Spirit's work, and we pray that way. Not sure exactly how he said it, but the great preacher Spurgeon, it was said to say, to himself or in prayer on the way to the pulpit, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. So every preacher, every missionary, every evangelist must know that we need the Holy Spirit to take the word that we preach and lay it upon the hearts of the people. Both the word put together by the Holy Spirit, so to speak, and the word impacting hearts through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And the message is this, much, much in Scripture, but the basic message to the world is this, repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the message to the world, and the gospel goes out into the world. The thing is, many hear but don't believe. I'm going to refer to our standards a couple of times tonight 
This would sound very odd and kind of funny to my charismatic friends, but I like to say that the Westminster Confession and Catechisms are spirit-filled documents. I don't mean spirit-filled like scripture is spirit-spoken, but throughout the confessions, we read about the work of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, lest Reformed people be seen as people who don't believe in the work of the Holy Spirit. Read your catechisms. Understanding that the work and the power of the gospel and salvation is reliant upon the Holy Spirit. We've referred in this series already to the work of the Holy Spirit in effectually calling people to repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And here is what question 68 in our catechism says. It asks the question, are the elect only effectually called? The answer is, all the elect, and they only, are effectually called, although others may be, and often are, outwardly called by the ministry of the word, and have some common operations of the spirit, who, for their willful neglect and contempt of the grace offered to them, being justly left in their unbelief, do never truly come to Christ. It is striking that Isaiah is told to go and preach to a people that will not hear. Jesus refers to that himself. Paul, when he decides to shift his ministry by the inspiration of God and the Holy Spirit from the Jews to whom he comes from, from whom he comes and to whom he loves and preaches to, to the Gentiles, quotes this passage. You will indeed hear but never understand. And you will indeed see but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. And with their ears they can barely hear. And their eyes they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and turn. And I would heal them. Stephen preaching his heart out to people primarily the Jews who needed to hear the gospel, Stephen preaching his heart out, finally says to them, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Now we understand that grace is irresistible. If God is going to save someone, he will, but he doesn't force himself. And these people are culpable for hardening their hearts and resisting the Holy Spirit. But what is Stephen talking about? The Spirit has spoken through the prophets and through the words of Scripture. You've heard those words and you're resisting what he's saying. Here's an example. We understand that this cannot work without the Holy Spirit. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And pick up in verse 1. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again, or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read by all. 
And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit, for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Now the ministry of death carved in letters on stone came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory which was being brought to an end. Will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold, not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened. For to this day, for to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lives over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face behold the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another for this comes from the lord who is the spirit paul recognizes that the problem for the unbelieving jews is that they have a veil covering their eyes and unless the holy spirit lifts that veil they will never see and if the jews had a veil of unbelief because of the offense of the gospel of the messiah being the person of jesus Unless that veil was lifted and they could see Jesus for who he was, they would never be saved. Same is true for Gentiles who see the gospel of Jesus Christ as foolishness. And until the veil is lifted from their eyes, they will not see Jesus for who he is. And so, yes, many do hear but don't believe. And what I recommend to people who are exposed to the gospel and say, I just can't see it or I just can't believe, and they're truly wrestling with it, pray that the Holy Spirit would lift the veil, would open your eyes to see the truth. But you have heard and believe. You have heard and believe. And, and I trust that you've experienced that effectual call of the Holy Spirit secretly working or worked through you, bringing you to a knowledge of Christ. And I trust that through the ministry of the Holy Spirit that your eyes have been opened and has given you the ability to see your need for the Savior and to see the Savior and to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Any one of us who knows Jesus, any one of us who is saved, any one of us who claims Jesus Christ as our Lord knows full well 
that we didn't come to this on our own. At least I trust you don't think you came to it on your own, but that the Holy Spirit revealed these truths to you. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, 9-10, But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. Our confession says our full persuasion and assurance of the infallible truth and divine authority thereof is from the inward work of the Holy Spirit, bearing witness by which the word of God is at work in our hearts. The Holy Spirit at work. And it's not as if we don't use our minds, and it's not as if we don't engage our hearts, and it's not as if our wills aren't touched, but we know full well this isn't something that we could have done on our own. And it's interesting to me that as a part of what's considered a part of salvation is embracing Scripture from Genesis to Revelation as the Word of God. For some people, that doesn't come instantly. I know for my testimony, my eyes were opened all at once. I distinctly remember saying, now I believe every word from Genesis to Revelation. Every word. Some wrestle longer, some struggle. But all believers will trust in the word of God as the Holy Spirit opens their eyes. And so we have, we have the call of the Holy Spirit to the world come dying sinners. But the Spirit also says, come thirsty saints. Come thirsty saints and be satisfied. Be satisfied with the sufficiency of grace in the Lord Jesus. Be satisfied with all the wonderful truths of Scripture. Be satisfied with all the promises that have been spoken to you. Rest your soul by the sweet, calm waters and drink deeply. Drink deeply. Be satisfied. But also be unsatisfied. Thirst. Thirst. I have a friend, I've told you this, who prays, Lord, make me thirsty. Look back, one of the most satisfying experiences, and it's so simple and silly, but one of the most satisfying experiences I remember as a young teen was when I would play football with my friends for a long time, and we would be thirsty. And next to this little field where we played was a pump that was from a fresh, cold spring well at Mr. Allen's house. I know I've used this before. But after we would get this mighty thirst going, we'd go over to Mr. Allen's house. I don't know if we were supposed to be there or not, but we'd pump this pump, and ice-cold spring water would come out. And we'd take this little bent-up aluminum pan, and we'd just drink. And it would satisfy. But we were so thirsty that we needed to keep drinking and keep drinking. And I don't know if you know that feeling when you're thirsty and you're getting satisfied, but you need more and you need more and you just drink until you're almost bloated. So that was so satisfying, but we needed more, we wanted more. 
And that's the way of saints, to come and drink deeply, come again and again, feast on the word, feast in prayer, be fed in prayer, be, be, have your thirst quenched in prayer through the means of grace, through the word. Here's a, here's a good prayer passage. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things in your law. Open your eyes. Holy Spirit, open my eyes to all the satisfying things that you give me in your word. The means of grace, come and worship. Come to the table of the sacraments and be satisfied on the goodness of God, but keep coming. Keep coming. Well, finally, there is that call to sinners, repent and believe. There's a call to thirsty saints, but there's an interesting call at the very end of Revelation, and I'd like you to turn there. Very last book, very last book of the Bible. Revelation chapter 22, verse 17. And the second part of the call is the church calling to the world with the help of the Holy Spirit. But what I want to focus on for our purposes tonight, since I already touched on that, the gospel going out through the church, is on the first part. One aspect of this interaction. The Spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. We'll just leave it at that verse. The spirit and bride say come. Who are, who is, I should say, the spirit and the bride speaking to? Go up to verse 12. Behold, I am coming soon bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. It's Jesus calling and saying, I am coming. I am coming. Behold, I am coming soon. And there's an antiphonal back and forth going on here because Jesus is saying he's coming and the Holy Spirit in this marvelous union with the bride joins their voice together and says, Come, Lord Jesus. I can't help but think this is right along the lines of where we've dealt with this passage already, where Paul is saying the creation groans and we groan inwardly. Paraphrasing, for the fullness of Christ, the fullness of things to come. And, and hear the Holy Spirit joining voice with the bride, the church, saying, Come, Lord Jesus, in response to his saying, I come. And the picture is like this, a little bit of a reversal of what we usually see in a wedding. Usually, the groom is here and the bride is there. But picture this, the bride is here. 
And she's looking for the bridegroom. The bride is the church, and Jesus is the bridegroom. And the bride is looking and saying, and hearing the groom saying, Behold, I come. And the bride is saying, Come and take me away. And it, it's so profound to me, and I haven't worked all this out in my mind. My mind is so small, and revelation is so tremendous and big and big, but here the Spirit and the Bride say together to the Lord Jesus come. Come. The last petition in the Bible is Jesus says, he who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon Amen, we say, with the Spirit. Come, Lord Jesus. Come and take your bride. There's a song by Keith Green, and maybe it's, maybe it's because he's so good at emoting, but maybe it's because it's a powerful rendition of the truth, but just a few lines from a song called When I Hear the Praises Start. And here, it's Jesus speaking to the bride. My precious bride, the day is nearing when I'll take you in my arms and hold you. I know there are so many things that you've been hearing, but you just hold on to what I've told you. What a comforting, what a comforting rendition of Jesus telling us he's coming back and giving us comfort. Well, the Holy Spirit speaks, and let him who has ears hear. Let sinners hear, let the world hear that there is a Redeemer, there is redemption, and the only hope is through Jesus Christ. And let saints hear that it is finished. You, you are mine. Do not be afraid. I am with you, and I will never leave you. And then we pray, Jesus, hear us. Jesus, hear us. Come, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. Let's pray. Lord our God, once again, we thank you that you have spoken to us in your word. And Lord, together tonight, we've tried to explore some of these glorious things, these wondrous things that you reveal to us in your word. Our minds are small. Our faith is small. But you've revealed yourself as the one true glorious God who in your condescending love calls sinners to see their need to repent and believe in the Lord Jesus. You comfort your saints again and again by your promises and all the glorious truths in your word. And so we thank you for that and pray that these very things will be burned into our hearts. And Lord, we do pray, come Lord Jesus, come take your bride, come quickly, amen.